It's another episode of the One Ounce Pour, and if you have ever listened to this show before, you've heard our little intro song, and I am so happy right now that I have Bailey Arango joining us via this this computers, which is great. Yeah, here's the intro man himself, Bailey Arango. It's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege, Drew. Thank you for having me. You know what else is amazing about this? You're the first person that listens to the show... That has been on the show, so I don't really have to like explain a whole lot, or you know, yeah. Because I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, and and I, I want to say this with really no judgment or snark. Who listens to this? I mean, kind you, of as you just... know better than I do. You did all all the sure. back end stats. You know that that uh, men between the ages of thirty and forty. I don't yep. know. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> just other other you know house dads that are just broken and like, I want to do hobbies. I assume. (laughs) No, that's gotta be the market, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when you were writing the intro song, I need to know what were your facial expressions? How are you emoting? Probably uh, embarrassingly. It depends. Probably some face down. Certainly some kind of, uh, yeah, certainly some eyebrow action. Ooh. Yeah, because I heard we went into my guitar face during during the Katie podcast. Oh, didn't oh yeah, we? yeah, yeah, yeah. During uh, the Katie Arango No Relation podcast, we did go into how much you emote and how special it was that I got to see that in Portland. It's amazing. Oh well, yeah. No, it, I was glad that Katie didn't say that she catches me practicing because I, I don't think she has. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it is. It's it's pretty much uncontrollable. So I'm sure there were some ridiculous faces while yeah. recording while recording the title song. I wish we would have filmed it because then we could have put it somewhere that I have no control over, like Instagram. You're really good with social media. Thank you. Thank you. Do yeah. you see my chicken post? I took a oh, picture yeah. of chicken four or five times, posted it, got like two likes. I'm proud of that. I mean, hey, man, it's growth. I know. Yeah. We're all about growth here at the One Ounce Port. That's right. Before we get too deep into Bailey Arango, let's do a little toast, a little one ounce toast. Chin, chin. Chin, chin, sir. Now, if you live in Utah or know about our ridiculous liquor laws, you know that the reason we call our show the one ounce pour is because in Utah you can get an ounce of alcohol via a mechanism called a liquor clicker. And it sounds like this. Because I went on eBay and I bought one for this show. So my first ounce was legally poured through a liquor clicker. I'm actually drinking Pendleton Rye, the 1910, and it's pretty good. There's a shameless nice. plug for Pendleton who will never pay me any money for saying that. Oh, no. No, but, you know, <laughs> it feels good. It does. Oh, but I got to tell everybody, the liquor clicker has a very small rubber inlet that you need to put over the tip of the bottle, the head of the bottle. I don't know. Hubba hubba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I couldn't get it over the head of the bottle because it's it girthy head. One day I was watching a burly lady with some arm tats force one on to a very large bottle and i was like how'd you do that and she whipped around and her exact words were 
it doesn't look like it's going to fit, but then you grab it and just force it in there and it fits. And turn back around and put the bottle on the shelf and I felt both seen and also disgusted, but that's in a, a good friend. way. That's a, that's a friend for life. It is. It is. And she works at the airport. So now when I see her at the airport, I'm like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> does, she, does she remember you? She does. does she think she oh, does. Like, the computer is just. She okay. does. So I travel for work. And when I travel, I have like a travel shirt, which is Red Fang. <laughs> she also was a metalhead. So she's like, oh, sick Red Fang. And I'm like, Red Fang. And then she's like, the sword. And I'm like, the sword. And she's like, which? I'm like, which? And then I was like, Monolord? And she's like, who? And I was like, sludgy as shit. You'll love it. So that, that's m- our main interaction. Yeah. Outside of so the it, other one. Is it just like kind of weekly naming metal bands at each other? <sighs> Luckily, I don't travel weekly. But yeah, it is. It, it's around there. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we played at a metal fest oh, day before yesterday. I ask you about that because the Instagram <laughs> pictures look like you dressed to impress and not for the heat. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, it's a little unfortunate that one of the most prominent pictures is just what my back looks it's like outside. Full, <laughs> like, oh, I feel bad for whoever had to peel that shirt off of you. The thing I have to tell you is that it was worse than whatever it looked like. Oh, good. Good. There was, oh, yeah. there was back. Sweat, swass. Yeah, swamp I was really disappointed. Balls. I was really disappointed because our, our friend, the photographer Maddie H, tremendous p- photographer, shout out on a podcast that someday everyone will listen to. Whoop, whoop. Um, he was like right up there taking photos, and I thought we were gonna get some really good like sweat flying off my face, dramatic. <laughs> but it just was me looking like a stressed out dad. Like <laughs> no just, good emoting, just no. just stressed well, out emoting. I- I- emoting, but no like uh, and no like hint of athleticism, mm. just kind of melting. Mm. What uh, happened to that that Spider Man bod? Oh, it's that's there. A good question. It's there. Yeah. Just baggy clothes. Sure. Yeah, that's it. Sure, yeah. you're just Peter uh, Parker right now. That's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, before we get again too deep into Bailey, I gotta do a Drew's Bruce Cruise because yeah, Tom's not here to remind me. By the way, Tom is out sick tonight. He has explosive diarrhea. You're really uh, expanding the demo here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, Drew's Brews Cruise. Tonight we're going to talk about left-hand brewing because they're amazing and they're in Colorado. And today I'm drinking the colorful Colorado pale ale. And uh, let me tell you how it tastes. Mmm, like beer. Okay, that was Drew's Brews Cruise. <laughs> Barely. I was thinking we we probably need uh I think what they call imaging for every one of these segments, right? So hey. the I mean, I don't know if I have enough money to pay you for another jingle, but if you want to do it on the sly, pop it over to me, you know? I'll see how it I'll see how it comes out, you know. We'll, we'll see. So that was Drew's Bruce Cruise. Thank you. <laughs> Off to a great start. Thanks, Bailey. Oh, I got to tell you something though. I had about the most hobby-filled week-slash-weekend I've ever had in my entire life. Would you say that you're a hobbyist? I would 100% write that on a shirt, wear it anywhere in any kind of downtown scenario, exclaiming what kind of a hobbyist I am. Yeah, I wanted to take this opportunity while Tom's out to say that I'm also a hobbyist. (laughs) Are you? uh, Really proud of it, yeah. Are your parents hobbyists? 
I, you know, they both are. Mine are um, too. And I think their hobbyism is a big reason why I'm a hobbyist. Hmm. Okay. All right. So yeah. you saw them being hobbyists. Yes. And immediately was like, that's my life calling. Yep. Okay, good. Good. It, it wasn't even that. It was just ingrained in me. Oh, like you were born out of a hobbyist yes. household. Yes. Good. Yes. Good. How could you not be one? I mean, if you're, it's kind of like nature versus nurture, but instead you got both. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hobbyism. Hobbyism. Hobbying. Hobbyists. Yes. Hobbyists. Yes. Good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where we were going with it. Oh, you a whole really... week and weekend of hobbies. That's right. As I flail my finger in the air in excitement, I got to do multiple hobbies. It was fun. It was a, it was a joy. The first one was my wife and I's nine-year wedding anniversary, which the theme is uh, ceramics and pottery, which pff, I'm down for. And we went to pottery studio and i gotta throw some pots oh my gosh and you love throwing pots i do it's a huge thing that i've been wanting to get back into and now that i'm like did it i was like this is amazing it was difficult because we were in the beginner class and this lady was like you got to do it my way which i was fine with and i did it her way just a little bit weird i threw some some good looking pots a little cup and a little bowl to go with it so you did not revisit your previous medium of choice no i did not make giant ceramic dongs as much okay. as i wanted to uh i decided you know wedding anniversary let's play it cool <laughs> first impression yada, first yada, yada. impression with this new ceramic lady yeah so it i might go back and throw some some big dongs i don't know we'll see but then the second thing i did which is super out of my character i went paddle boarding that is where you stand on an inflatable surfboard and paddle around a lake and it was very relaxing i guess what so i think i'm familiar with paddle boarding more in maybe i might be wrong about this but like in an ocean context what's the vibe like in a lake is it just kind of a means of conveyance like a gondola sort of energy yeah i mean yes it's very serene you're just kind of moving this board around a lake with no destination it's kind of seeing all the alcoves and yeah it's cool i'm not going to buy a paddleboard I think I'm going to buy a kayak instead. Nice. I think that's more my style. Sitting and having two rowing devices versus one. That was awkward. I didn't like the whole crossing my body back and forth to paddle. Oh, interesting. So yeah. you got to go left and then right? Yeah. And sometimes you go double left and then a right. You know, just skimming the waters, yeah. looking at nature. Huh. They actually have paddle ugh, paddleboard yoga. Oh my gosh. Of course they do. Yeah. And... My hip flexors were destroyed by the end of it because I, surprise, surprise, have just let my core go. <laughs> so I don't have the uh, stability of a younger Drew. So did you do paddleboard yoga? No, God, no. I would oh, not have lasted. Okay. I just did the normal paddle boarding, paddle Understood. rowing. But that's nice. And that, that means that Utah must have water, which sounds lovely. It does, briefly. It's all going yeah. away. Yeah. Yep. But, but Us too. For a little bit. We have yep. a little bit of water. So, And this was actually a reservoir that I wish I knew the name of and could remember to say it out loud, but I can't. And only boats like that are man-powered 
can be on it. So there's no, you know, jet skis nice. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Very serene. A lot of ducks. A lot of great, great ducks. Yeah. That's, that all sounds lovely. It was. Yeah. And then I, I did some archery with my compound bow and finally hit the, uh, the target. So I felt good about that. It was just great weekend of a lot of hobbies. What hobbies did you accomplish this weekend, Bailey? Oh, Not to put you on the question. spot, but oh, you are a hobbyist, do. self-proclaimed. I am, I'm a passionate hobbyist. Please put me on that spot. <laughs> so I played two shows with uh, my two rock and roll bands this weekend. We played a show on the plaza on Friday night uh, in Ashland, and we played Metal Fest in the alley at uh, to the side of Johnny B's in Medford on Saturday, which was a really successful event for them. Uh, the the med the metal community in Southern Oregon is really passionate and not very well represented. That is a I fact. Think, I think a lot of the music going on is sort of the winery retiree vibe, and there's just a bunch of people who are here for metal shows. So that was actually really fun to see, even as someone who's not into metal. Seeing a bunch of people who are really passionate about something and actually get to do it was lovely. Yeah, because the the shaky harlots aren't metal per se, but you guys bring that same kind of energy. So you're very generous, and I appreciate that. We are really not metal, but I think part of the – essentially, they wanted to have one wild card. They wanted to have one band that was established locally and also wasn't metal to kind of mix it up. Yeah. And I and I think um, – Probably had a better was, Instagram following. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Some of these bands are really big. I just don't know them because it's okay. not my scene. Uh, there's one called The Mandalore that I think might be Mandalorian-themed. Okay. Yeah. If the air quality was not what it was, I wanted to stay around for the Mandalore. <laughs> it was so bad. Oh, it was so no. bad. Yeah, so mostly just music hobbying this weekend and then television hobbying. Ooh, all right. Mm. Yeah. If you if you can call that a hobby. Television le- I don't know. We, we got into this debate, believe it was like, yeah, that the been like two, three episodes episode ago. or yeah. something. But the debate was, is watching TV and or movies a hobby? Tom seems to think that it's a it is his hobby. He writes a bunch down though yeah i i think did you write a bunch down no i would say that the way that i'm doing it is not a hobby as you say that it kind of clarifies to me i think it could be a hobby if it's something that you're really intentional about yeah yeah if it's something that you really are like okay i'm gonna watch this and i'm gonna think about this and consume this really intentionally as opposed to me kind of just plopping down on the couch and pulling up netflix i mean yes i agree and no i don't agree because Fair. video games, right? They're a hobby, but you're just kind of plopping down on the couch and That's playing true. video games. You're not true. taking notes on it. That's and... true. Unless um, you've ever been to Reddit, then there are plenty of notes on video games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Do you think reading is a hobby? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's been one that I've gotten really into during COVID and that I participated in some this weekend. Ooh, okay. What book are you currently reading? So I am reading Terry Pratchett's Discworld series all the way through, and I have read 39 of these damn things, oh, and, I have, and I have two left. God. <laughs> I am so – like, it's this weird thing where I am so in love with this author in this series, and I also am like, come on. I'm so close. That's, I just want that that sense of accomplishment. That's how I felt about The Witcher, and that's only nine books? He also, and I, I don't want to be too glib about this because I love him and everything he's doing, he's also like uh, fairly transparently reaching the end of his life at the end of this series. Oh, And it's okay. a little hairy. I'm like, Terry, buddy. 
Oh, bud. <laughs> where's, where, where's this going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they kissed. Uh, I guess they grabbed each other tight. Hugged each other real tight. Old Smoocheroo. I have no idea what these books are about, but that's how I assume. It's that. I don't know. I assume you read. I assumed you read all of them. I heard an NPR interview recently with John Grisham, uh, where he talked about somebody asked him why he didn't write sex scenes anymore, and he said that he wrote a sex scene and handed it to his wife to see what she thought of it, and he just heard laughter (laughs) coming from up the stairs, (laughs) and he's like, "I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm a good writer, and if and if I can't write that, I can't write that. It's okay. Know your weaknesses. Yeah, it's know your weaknesses." He was like basically clearly like trusted the laughter. Like, okay. Yep. That's, that's uh yeah. <laughs> fair enough. I I firmly believe that my wife would definitely critique anything that I assumed was good for me. It, honestly. And I appreciate that about her, is that she would. Oh, it's hugely valuable. I sometimes wonder if my wife is comfortable or not comfortable telling me that something I did sucked. Because I'm the type of person who gets off stage and sort of wants you to tell me, like, to what extent that was not good. Oh, okay. But to be fair, you are not one of those people, though. I feel... Well, hold on. I feel like... No, I get get where you're coming from. You're one of those people that behind closed doors, face-to-face, would be like, dude, that was terrible. I could hear all this other background noise and blah, blah, blah. In case anyone wants to know, uh, Bailey is our hardest critic <laughs> for this show <laughs> because I ask him to be. He is a sound engineer and, you know, brilliant, brilliant mind. But man, getting off stage and seeing you in the audience, I mean, like, what'd you think? And Bailey would be like, that was great. I love the provolone joke. And I'd be like, ha thank you. Thank you. I want you to understand. And then I would stare off talk- into space. That we talk about provolone four <laughs> years later. I want you to understand that, that I may be a joke. weirdo. Oh my god, that is my best joke ever. I'm sorry. It really, just like takes up rent in your head. All the jerk off jokes I did, all of the the cum catching and mouth jokes I did, all the ones that got the most laughs. Right? They're just off the cuff stupid humor. That provolone joke was the deepest. Just it, it was like. A whole year of comedy that I put into this one joke and I stuffed it in the back of the fridge. And then I brought it out that last show and it got like a ha ha and that was it. And I was like, fuck. And every once in a while, I just think about it. Among other things, (laughs) Provolone doesn't get a lot of like cultural press. It doesn't. So I feel like I could really nail that space. In my head, you have cornered the market on provolone. <laughs> I will hear the word provolone. I'll be like, <laughs> I feel like the, the tepid laughter in that room was just me. Going, <laughs> and I make that same noise every time I see or think about provolone cheese. Then it, then it works. That's oh, it. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. So I, I want you to know I'm, I, I, have been, I have given you some critiques on this podcast because, damn it, True, I actually really believe in you. Well, I think you're doing dog. a really good job. Thank you. And I, I ho- and I hope I was clear about that. Episode one, I was like, I, I, I hoped that my criticism was like, oh, yeah, it was, it was really, needed. <laughs> the, the sound was really bad, which is a shame because you're actually really good at this. I think you really are. Well, thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm blushing in case anyone can't see. Uh, no one, right? No, no one can see. Yeah. I'm so glad. I'm very glad. There have been times where, so in case people don't know, if you sign up for Patreon, which is Patreon 
forward slash one oz poor. You can pay us money and then witness us live. And it is stressing me out. I know no one's going to go on there and subscribe and pay us money, but it is stressing me out. It is a like common coffee talk with Tom where I'm like, dude, we need like webcams and we need to like, I don't know, wear hats or something and, and nice <laughs> shirts. Y'all know that I do this podcast sans pants, wearing Crocs, and usually in a tie-dye shirt. So it's not like I'm ready for the big lights, but it, okay. it stresses me out for sure. Some critical, some critical questions. When this person inevitably signs up and is not me, <laughs> um, are you going to be able to see them seeing you? God, I hope so. I hope that I just get to watch that person in a darklit room yep. with That's no shirt. Yep. Just like rubbing their belly the whole That's show right. and then right. not laughing for any of it. That way it's just shadowy, yep. sad dead eyes staring right at me. Shadowy figure comes up, gives them a brief neck massage, walks away. <laughs> show continues. Yep. Yes. Yes. That's what I want for you. I I feel like then we should have another tier where if you pay me even more money, you can watch what we're watching. <laughs> just, just keep the infinity mirror. <laughs> It would be, yeah. And then you could pay to watch the person watching the other person who's watching me. I, I you feel... Just invented, you just invented social media, Drew. Oh, oh, for sure. For sure. Oh, and you know what's crazy, right? So there's the, the old joke. You look at Tom's phone, you know, while he's on Instagram, and you just see all of the, the Insta ladies. Okay. All the ones trying to make their money. And then uh, it's an algorithm, right? It just reads what you're looking at and what excites you and just throws it back in your face. Why the fuck am I only seeing Indian street food? (laughs) Like every every time I open up Instagram, no lie. Like I'll screenshot this shit. It is just all Indian street food. Don't get me wrong. I am spending at least, I don't know, 15 to 20 to maybe even a whole minute watching this guy make this Indian street food. It's interesting. So, so you know, that's 100% why it's only showing you. <laughs> that's, you but how did your it question. start? I don't, that's a good question. I have, I never really cook Indian food. I don't Google search Indian food. I, they must've just like popped some guy up Yep. and then I watched him for too long and they're like, got him. <laughs> yeah. They were just taking shots in the dark and then you're like, oh, oh, how did you do that? Yeah. Got him. So in case people don't know, uh, the one ounce poor Instagram is not mine. It's also shared by a couple other people. So then I'll see some stuff Tom looks at. I'll see some stuff some other people look at it is such a collage of weird stuff plus indian street food <laughs> it's my only contribution is there a is there a patreon tier where people can use your instagram <laughs> oh my god yes that's a new tier i'm gonna invent it right now <laughs> for i don't know what's a good number for that a lot of money drew 150 dollars a month you're going to lose your Instagram. <laughs> you can actually use our Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards, we'll record what our feed looks like. Yeah. And then record someone watching you. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll record yeah. someone watching someone watch the feed. And yeah. that's for the 350. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Tree rollers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you have hobbies, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have a bunch of hobbies. Okay, cool. That's what our show's about. 
So yeah. yeah, not about Instagram or whatever the fuck we just rabbit hold down. You're an amazing guitarist. Oh, thank you, Drew. Yes. Why don't we why don't we start there and you can just go from there? Lightly tangent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what would you like to know? Yeah. Um so I, I mean I was kinda hoping I'd just flop words at you and you'd take them and run, but Absolutely. Bailey, yeah. how'd you get started in being an amazing guitarist? I had a really good guitar teacher. I had a really supportive family and uh, spent a bunch of time playing guitar. Uh, and I guess this sort of phase of my guitar playing life starts when I, well, actually it starts sort of around the time that you and I met each other. Ooh. Yeah. yeah the because, origin story uh, of our bromance. Man, I want to tell that. I think you should. Okay. Bailey got hired to be the social media and marketing personnel of a dealership I was working at. I'm not going to name names because that's right. They're not paying me. We, no. And I heard that they just hired this new gentleman on. And I thought, I got to go over there and introduce myself because, again, my spirit animal is a golden retriever. Like, I'm going to say hi to everybody. And it's also really boring working at a car lot. So. Really, really boring. <laughs> then I hear his name is Bailey. And I'm like, oh, shit. Old Greg moment coming up. I walked right up to his desk. I saw him. And I was like, you have a drink. Bailey is out of a shoe before. Horrible. And it was just as bad when I did it. But a horrible. Uh, well, but you were wearing Paisley, though. So I was. I was the Paisley prince of that dealership. Was that an official title? That was that was not an official on a card title, but I was also given that moniker by somebody that had some sort of clout. Oh, fair. Yeah. Oh, did you guys hear that? One ounce, perfectly poured. Thank you, liquor clicker. <laughs> Can't even say that. Like it's gonna get way harder to say as you keep drinking. Hey, thanks, right? like, liquor clicker. <laughs> that's a disastrous term that involves alcohol. <laughs> But yeah, so anyway, I said, Bailey, you and I, we're friends now. And he was like, oh, okay. And then I took you out drinking. That's right. And not only did I take Bailey out drinking, this was a night of drinking, and Bailey hung the entire time. That's so, right. With, I believe, a previous guest of... Yeah, yeah, that's right. Cody was there. Cody in the corner, smooth-talking Cody. If Almost you haven't heard that killed. episode... You and I, yeah, I'm a proud hobbyist. My parents before me. We were working at a car lot, which is not the most exciting place to work. No. I ended up leaving the car lot and gradually, oh, at the same time, I had started hanging out at the local music shop and, and sort of started playing electric guitar again. Uh, and at one point, the owner of the music shop said, hey, do you have an interest in teaching guitar? Uh, and I'd always wanted to be a teacher at, in, at the high school level. I'd always wanted to teach history. And I was like, well, if I could be a teacher and play music that would kind of be ideal so i started giving guitar lessons uh that ended up becoming my whole job mm. and as that happened i sort of started playing more and more in local bands and with uh with other folks in the community and that's how i ended up yeah making uh making some of my living well making my whole living with my instrument in my hands which is sort of a dream i didn't know i had i mean i think that's every hobbyist dream right yeah, uh, speaking for hobbyists like myself, I would I would think so. And it does I don't know in the context of this content uh, of this podcast bring it to sort of an interesting place, which is I don't know if it's still my hobby. I sort of think of it in those terms. Does it turn into a a hard job? Like, did you notice a moment where your hobby turned into a job? To an extent, I, I guess 
part of what makes it work is that teaching is different than performing. Okay. So I'm not I'm not quite sure what it would look like if I made my whole living performing. I think that would probably be different. But I definitely, you know, there will be days now when it used to be I would try to sneak away for some guitar practice. And now I'm like, man, I've I've played for like four hours today. I'm when I'm done with work, I think I'm OK on practice for right Ooh. now. I'm, so do, would you say that's the line then when a little bit you've done enough of that hobby as your job that it's something that you don't do for fun? And and I definitely I, to clarify I do do it for fun but it but to your point it's on on days when I haven't been doing it so much for work. Okay. So I'll find myself on like a Sunday afternoon sitting down and and playing just for just for kicks. Hmm. And what do you play when you're playing for kicks? Is it music that you perform, or is it more like I'm going to do bluegrass today? Yeah, and it's it's um it's it's mostly for self improvement. It's sort of me having an understanding of what my weaknesses are and what I would like to do to keep improving and working on that, but in a way that I find engaging. So uh, I set up shop with, I don't know if you've ever, do you know, of course you probably do a looper pedal. Yes, I do. Yeah. So yeah, I'll just set up, I'll sit down with a looper pedal and kind of get some loops going and work on chord changes. And Next uh, thing you and, know, you're going to be basking on the streets. I, I, I kind of hope not. I feel like that's that, where the looper pedal shines the brightest. Oh yeah, no, that's a bunch of people the, that don't know how he's doing that. Yes, that you definitely see that. Um, perhaps fortunately for me, uh, and not being becoming that guy, uh, that's pretty much not allowed in Ashland, which is interesting. Wait, stop! They've stopped basking in Ashland. Busking. Busking. Um, Have I been I like, fucking saying this wrong my entire life? Is it only, buskers, not baskers? Yes. No, but but buskers can oh, be baskers. God damn it. Right? God a busker could bask. Would they bask their perineum? Uh, if they're a hobbyist. Okay. Um, I cannot believe I have gone my whole life. Bailey, have I been saying this and you've just been like, well, that's true. I don't ever I put, remember you talking to me about this before. The full blame, the full brunt of this blame on you. Take off the crown. Um... <laughs> So, okay, uh, buskers are, busking is legal in Ashland. Buskers, not baskers. But basking isn't, so... No, 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 other way. Basking is legal in Ashland. Buskers are not. Because you can walk around fully nude and bask in the sun all you want, but you can't bask. But if you bask and busk... But if you bask and busk, then you're you're out. You're busted. Um, So buskers are not allowed in Ashland anymore. Uh, Buskers with electric instruments are not allowed in Ashland. And the looper is by nature an electric yeah, that's vibe. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think... Nope. Yeah, because you'd have to do it through an amp anyway. I think you can pay for a permit, but that feels like the most Ashland shenanigans, and I'm just not I'm not here for it. It does. It does. My favorite was going to a first ever nude. I was not nude. Ashland rally, and there were a bunch of people, and they were holding signs, and it just said, Fuck Bush! And like they were protesting Bush, right? And I was like, God, you really think they would shave before they did this protest? So, so this was a naked protest of then President Bush. Yes. Okay. And I'm no, with you. Nobody shaved. Yeah, there's some there's some missed irony. Yeah. So uh, as I was teaching, one of my students asked me if I would be interested in starting a band with him, 
And at that point, I was like, I haven't played. I played a lot of live music in high school and this college. This sounds like the start to a romance novel, by the way. Like, yeah. And then the student asked the teacher, "You want to be in yeah, a there band is, with me?" <laughs> there is the like probably shouldn't be sexy power imbalance. It is uh, tinge to that story. I guess the good news that makes me feel uh, better about that is. Well, I mean, a that I am not dating my friend Damien, and b <laughs> uh, and and b that he's he's older than me. So oh, ooh. there's that, right? I, I know, mean, right? The story, yeah. The the thought plickens, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So Damien asked me to be in a band with him. I hadn't been in a band in I don't even know, like a decade, and so I kind of jumped back in and um, started meeting people in the Southern Oregon music scene and. It's been one of the coolest things to happen in my life, and frankly, a big part of why we have made such a home for ourselves here is just how wonderful that is, having that kind of community and playing music in it. Yeah, because that's pretty amazing community to get into. I never obviously got into it. I'm not musically inclined, but I got to be on the sidelines of it during my radio days when I was being the production manager and throwing events, and that was exciting enough. And I never got to even get up and play an instrument. So Ashland brings it to events. Ashland really brings it um, in a way that I don't think even some folks around here maybe give it credit for. And that could be just a, a function of kind of being burned out on Ashland or what, whatever. But I remember there was a Facebook post going around uh, in a local music group, I think, recently that was like, you know, what happened? Like... Why is there no turnout at concerts? This is probably a, maybe a year ago, a little less. Like oh, during a pandemic. That was good. that's the punchline. Is <laughs> oh, that, it was this, sorry. No, you're so good. No, you're so good. No, you're so good. You're on it. But like it was this group of people being like, "What's with the Ashland music scene?" And someone finally is like, "I mean, like we're sort of in the middle of a pandemic. Maybe it's okay, and, <laughs> and people are being careful." Because <laughs> Ashland, I mean, I have never been. Well, I mean, a prime example, I've never been to a concert where it literally rains sweat back down on you, yeah. except in Ashland. Yeah, so we played um, We played the other night on Friday in the plaza. So first of all, almost no one in the plaza is there because they want a concert, right? Like maybe they're on the way to something, but that wasn't their, that wasn't their plan for the evening. Mm-hmm. And second of all, the AQI was, I think, like 170, which is bad. It's it's unhealthy. Yeah, and in case nobody knows, um, Ashland is always on fire. The whole Rogue every, Valley every day is just always on fire, and you have to kind of escape the smoke because it is just thick. It looks like the what is that? Silent Hills. <laughs> I've thought of Silent Hill every year since I moved here. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is crazy. It's a video game slash movie that you would never think about in your adult life no, until the you entire down there. The entire valley looks like the universe has lost the ability to render like a quarter mile ahead. <laughs> so they're just trying to like put smoke. Yeah. Anyway, it was awful out, and we got a great crowd and just wonderful people. And a uh, mentally not doing so well lady ran up and kissed me on the face, and it was awkward. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah. 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 We're on the face. Cheek. Okay. Well, that's... All right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely didn't ask for it, but yes. Okay. It could have been worse. It, it could have been worse. Been. Yeah. Yeah. Did she... But that's uh, the last one. Did she ask you if you're a hobbyist oh. or not? Oh, no. We didn't We didn't get that far. Okay, good. No. All right. Yeah. Well, cool. The music scene is big for you. And your wife. And I think at this point, everybody knows you're an amazing musician. 
because they've heard the intro a million times because they're oh, avid well. listeners and they listen every week and they're like, oh, can't wait for the intro. And then they sign off. Some of them, some of them are even women. Are they? That's what I've heard. Ooh, well, you know, Katie helped with that. And she's listening to the backlog now, by the way. You got what? a fan. What? Yeah. Oh, so I hooked her. I See, I think that's around. it. I think that's it. You get one you episode deep. Everyone. <laughs> you get one episode deep and you're like, this is awesome. Yeah, I've been hearing your voice around the house and I was like, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. I'm in your house, Bailey. That's right. I'm in your wife's ear. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Again. <laughs> sort of like uh sort of like frothgar was in clive's ear Rothgar. yes yes can we talk about um yeah oh, I, I, so I, this is a hobby i want to get into a lot more and um i need to tell the whole background of this and i'm sorry for tangenting on this when i was in high school i was what some might call a jock because i did sports all year round mainly just because like that's the after school activity I did. I was all right at football. I was pretty decent at wrestling. I was shit at track. But one of the things I wanted to get into so bad was D&D. I was like, this sounds amazing. You get to go on these fantasy quests and be whatever kind of mythical creature you want and all this other stuff. So I tried to join my high school's D&D and they shunned the holy living fuck out of me. They're like, oh, Drew, you're just a jock. Like, wow. I got bullied in high school for being a jock wanting to join the D&D team to the point where I was just like, fuck d and I'm out. And then didn't they like, didn't they con you? Like, wasn't there some, so they allowed me to join just to make me a halfling, just to murder me. And like dicks would kill me every time. And then they ran me out. When you say dicks would kill you. Dick bats, dick-shaped rocks. Like, it didn't matter. It was a dick. And it would fall or inject itself in my eyeball. Or at one point, I think a dick spider laid its dick spider eggs in me or something. (laughs) They were so creative on all these deaths. It almost made me want to continue to do it. Yeah, yeah. But at the very end of, like, one campaign, I was told I was not welcome back. And it was a bummer because a couple of my wrestlers were on the D&D wow. squad. And I was like, you fuckers. Like, you would you would allow your team captain to be shunned away after being <laughs> just dickestated. <laughs> <laughs> Indiction. <laughs> just fuck you guys. And so I never. How many, how many, how many hours of this did you, were you subjected three, to? Three. Three hours. It was a, it was a three hour campaign. And it was just dicks. And everybody was yeah. laughing at the halfling getting skewered by dicks. And yeah, 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 they were. But they were reviving me, I guess. And yeah, they. And they're like, are you sure you want to use your healing potion? And then my friend, I'm not going to name his name, was like, absolutely, healing potion. <laughs> I was like, why? Why am I being revived? <laughs> Do you guys want to go down this cave? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, is there a stalactite dick that's going to get me? I don't know. Why don't you roll and find out? I have (laughs) terrible luck in general. So, yep, stalactite dick. Here we come. Uh, But then I got got to actually do it with you. And with Ryan and with Katie and with Xana. Like, that was a blast. I've never had. And Cody. And Cody. Cody in the corner. 
I, it was so much fun. I want to do it again. I actually bought that dice, was, by the way. Yes, that was one of the most fun sessions I've ever DM'd. So first of all, on behalf of uh, of DMs everywhere, I want to apologize uh, to you. That was a uh, um, that was a grievous sin against Dice Christ that was done upon you. Oh, <laughs> wait, what? And, uh, yeah, I, you know, there's there's a bit of a, a, a kinship, and that's just... Uh, oh. That's basically a D&D war crime that was done to you. I'm really sorry, Drew. I'll wait wait until my... Oh, I can't even wait until my reunion because none of them were in my class. They were all underclassmen. Yeah. I was shamed by underclassmen. It actually explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So hurt. So They could have killed you with, like, cool knights. No. (laughs) No. It's dick bats and dick spiders. Stalag dicks. Those, those are not in the monster manual. <laughs> I don't think anything was in any manual. They were just having me roll dice to see how far it went up my ass or something. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder I wonder if they think back on this. I, I wonder hope if they... so. I hope they, they feel that shame because I was nothing but an amazing yeah. wrestling. Like I always looked after my wrestlers. Anybody bullied a wrestler, which is very easy to do. We're in skin tight outfits. We're grabbing other men. Very yeah. easy to bully a wrestler. It's hard to get away with it, and that's the thing. Yeah. And all of my my little like hundred and three pound wrestlers that were just like ah this guy's bullying me. I'd make sure that that guy was in a trash can or something. And then here I was, being bullied out of my mind by D and D guys. Were were any of them the trash can people or no? They they were definitely not. Okay, good. Yeah, that, yeah. That makes it it makes it more despicable. They on their were part. probably in a trash can from another of my trash can guys. Fair. Yeah. That was a very and also you know keeping on that theme. You're not just a, a good friend on the wrestling team. You're a wonderful D and D player, Drew. D- right? I can get into yes. it. You're Thank a you. joy. Thank you. Her off yeah. bar feels all. You embodied your character <laughs> as much as just about anyone I've played with has embodied their character. I will say, even because we drank a lot, even completely drunk, I was still Hrothgar. You may have been more Hrothgar. I think I, I think Hrothgar and I just blended together. And you became <laughs> sort of a seamless entity. <laughs> it's like, where does Hrothgar begin and where does Drew end? I don't know. Stalactite dick. The, uh, the session ended with you biting a satyr. But didn't I roll out of that fine? Oh, yeah. I think yeah, I no, rolled no. out of it fine. No, you just met a new friend and bit him. Yeah. That was the last thing we did. <sighs> we got to continue on that. Obviously. Part of Hrothgar's character is that he likes to try new things. That is a very apt way of putting that. Because <laughs> at one point I tried something, I got poisoned, and I had to be saved. It's remarkable how few times you were poisoned in that session it really was. based on the behavior you exhibited. <laughs> you say that you have bad luck and I am here to tell you that you really dodged some bullets that you walked right in front of. <laughs> Hrothgar dodged those bullets. Yeah, Drew has right. bad luck. Hrothgar, good luck. Hrothgar is blessed. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get into D&D though? Yeah, I think it, okay, I think a couple things happened. One of them we sort of alluded to, which is that my big passion in my life stopped being a hobby Mm. and started being, if not a work, then something that was just a part of my everyday. You know, because there is that distinction. It doesn't have to be the grind the way that life at a dealership is for it to still be something that's not a hobby. 
Right. It's, it's just something you're always doing and, and breathing. And so I think I just needed, uh, as a hobbyist, as, as a hobbyist, someone, as someone who practices hobbyism whenever he can, as your um, mother and father's and father, son, yes. who is a hobbyist, yeah, a hobbyist, to, proudly, yeah. I had to find something. And I think I was getting into D and D before I knew I was getting into D and D. A couple things happened. Uh, for one thing, I've liked a lot of properties over the years that have done either D&D episodes or talked about D&D. Uh, so the D&D episode, of com- I've, I've always been a huge fan of Community. Oh, man. And Communi- Community did multiple D&D episodes. I then, I love Community. I love Rick and Morty. So I started watching Harmon Quest, which is Dan Harmon's D&D show, essentially. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I, I really enjoy this. And then COVID hit. Mm. And it was like, well... So this is a very recent, very hobby recent for you. Wow, very recent. And I, uh, you, you held yourself like you were some high elf, you know, that has been doing this you. for a very long time. Yeah, big Elrond energy. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and I think that's, I think that's part of being a DM. And we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, I, uh, I, it's recent, but it also it happened really hard, like really hard. I don't know how much. I don't know what the first couple weeks of the pandemic were like for you. The first couple months. They were yeah. they were weird, for sure. Yeah. I was trying to work as much as I could work without working too much, but I had no hobby. I had no yeah. anything. I, I will say mountain biking saved me through the pandemic because I mountain biked, and I wish there's a slight part of me that wants to go back to pandemic days just so i could mountain bike that much dude i was yeah. mountain biking like two to three times I, for sure two times a week and if i could i'd sneak a third in and it was like i was in the best shape got a brand new mountain bike like it was everything so D was my mountain biking um my buddy zach asked me if i'd be interested in playing a D campaign with a couple of the other guys who are in my our fantasy hockey league we've been playing fantasy hockey together for 15 years or so and so he said hey would you be interested in playing D and i'll be i'll be dming and i was like absolutely yes I, I am ready for this and then we were playing twice a week which is mind-blowing to me now because no one has time for that anymore. No. But there was a brief period of time that happened out of nowhere where it was like, please give me something to spend that much time on every week. Please. Yeah. Uh, and I fell completely in love with it. Uh, Zach uh, got me hooked on a D&D podcast, uh, not another D&D podcast, and I listened to hundreds of hours of other people playing D&D in those, in those early pandemic months. The thing that happens when you listen to that much D&D being played, even if you're playing D&D a couple times a week, that's all well and good. But if you listen to a great amount of D&D being played, you really start to understand how it works. Okay. Because the rules aren't that wild. They get really nitty gritty as you dive into them, but the basics of it, you know, try to do something and roll a dice about it isn't that bad. A couple months into the pandemic, I realized I, I could DM. I really want to DM. I will say, and I don't mean to keep fluffing you here. <laughs> yeah. You were, I thought that you've been doing this since you were like in high school. That's how thank great you were as you. the master. Like you well, just thank you. Thank you, Drew. You ran the shit out of that. So a weird thing about me that I suspect is a weird thing about many hobbyists, yourself included. Mm is 
I love playing guitar. I'm really passionate about music. And my approach to playing guitar is that I want to be, if it's something I really care about and it's something I really love doing, I want to get absolutely as good at it as I can. And I want to do it in a way, I want to do it in a way where I'm cognizant of the fact that my goal is improvement and continual growth and mastery. Absolutely. Mastery for me is really fun. It's not just this, it's not an ego thing. It's, I love the feeling of being like, oh yeah, I get this. But come on, there's a a little bit of ego to it, right? Oh, and you, and you have to have some, I think. And it's something that I've been slow to embrace is that some ego actually really helps because it can sort of be transformed into confidence. Absolutely. And especially, and especially if you're someone who deals with anxiety and who deals with stress and depression, it's really valuable to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I, I actually am good at this. Yeah. Uh, you have to be realistic. I would be so, as a, speaking as a musician, but I guess at, as everything, I would be so in trouble if I thought I was better than I am. It would be sort of disastrous. But I, but there's real value into being like, I put the work in, and this is a thing that I can do to a standard that I'm happy with. And so I jumped into DMing with the expectation that I was like, I am going to do this as much as I am allowed to. Because I don't know what I'm doing, but I know I want to be good at it. And you're right now towing a dangerous line with that, right? Oh, yeah. Because aren't you also making this hobby pay you money? Yeah, for the first time coming up. Isn't, um, but, but are, are you worried? Are you worried that this is going to be like the guitar where you get done with a long day of that and you just feel like, oh, I've I've done my, I don't think my part. So. I don't think so. I don't think so. And to be to be brutally honest, I think a big part of it is that I'm not good enough. It's no, nope. uh, fair enough. Yeah, um, I just you know, there's no I, there's no road. I I don't think for me to be a full time DM, which is probably good. It gets to keep that luster. And frankly, as someone who loves teaching, and so the gig that I've gotten, and I think the gig that is easy to get paid for is is DMing for kids, because essentially what? they can't, they can't, they can't, they're passionate about it, and they. What's been fun for me is I I know these folks, they're family of a student of mine, and they're passionate about D and D, and they love D and D, and they get it, and they're not they're not little numbs, they're not going to send anyone into a dick cave, like that's not who they are, <laughs> but they're also kids to the point that I think the prep work that's involved in DMing is a little above where they are right now. And so that's where the sweet spot for, for getting paid to do it is. So you're specifically going out and telling kids that you're a hobbyist and trying to get them to be in your campaign. I actually had a, uh, it's a, I had a, I had a mom pull me aside and say, Hey, are you a hobbyist? Um, <laughs> yeah, good. Good. Yeah. She's doing her due diligence. That's then. right. All That's right. right. Okay. That's right. Now, where does somebody go to specifically seek out being a dungeon master for children? I would say it's a pretty tough. <laughs> it's a pretty tough market to make it in. Uh, for those of you who aren't uh, patrons and watching us live, Drew died laughing after that question <laughs> trying to get the career teacher to sound inappropriate um no i think it's just uh if you if you work with people and they find out you're a dm there's a very good chance that you're going to end up dming for them okay so and i think if those and i think if those people are teenagers their parents are going to say to themselves if we don't give this person money he will not do this <laughs> there's no way Good. Because let me Good. give let me give you an example, Drew. Let Good. me give no, you an example. Yeah, please. So this is not a this is not a paid gig. This is a gig for the love of the game, as it were. 
DMing for Ryan and members of his extended family. <gasps> How extended? Uh, cousins. Okay. I don't think I'm outing anyone too hard. That's all right. So, so I get a character sheet. So he says, you know, we're all so excited. Mm-hmm. And this person has prepared a character sheet because I have to prepare character sheets for a lot of folks. Yes. But this person has one for you. And I pull it up and this person is a teenager. Okay. And it says uh, extra proficiencies. A proficiency in this game is something that your character is so good at that they add a bonus to it. Mm. So Hrothgar, for example, is proficient in athletics, as, as you would expect. Uh, this sheet says additional proficiencies. Nipple twist. <laughs> <laughs> this is someone... This yes. is someone I've never met. Good. This is someone who's a teenager. Good. And so I'm preparing a session. I go, this person is going to try to twist the nipples <laughs> of every non-player character I put in front of them. It's going to happen. Did you just armor up every nipple of every oh, non-player? Did I, a, did, I put a, did I put a bad guy with a mesh shirt in front of him <laughs> in a bar first scene? Yes, I did, Drew. See, this is, this is how I know you're a professional. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably not the right term to use because uh, gosh, people are so good at this, and people have been doing this forever. So that's my that's my goal with D and D is just keep putting the work in. And eventually, I mean, like I wouldn't go out and say ever in a million years I'm a professional podcaster because I feel like every thirty something year old man likes to say that, but they have good podcasts. <laughs> like, <laughs> How to to better yourself and, like, what is it like being a dad in the suburbs? And meanwhile, I'm I'm like, hey, fuck you. Welcome to the Wild Spore. So. It's a liquor clicker. It's a liquor clicker. Yeah, wait, hold on. Is the glass empty? Oh, not anymore. Oh, you heard the sound of it? There it is, liquor clicker. I used to work at a winery, and I was was a tasting room associate. And... We were trained to pour one-ounce pours. Ooh. And let me tell you, if you poured a one-ounce pour for someone in a tasting room, they would give you the dirtiest look you've ever received <laughs> in your entire life. I lasted doing that for maybe an hour. Like, oh maybe a literal God. hour. As someone who hates breaking rules, I was like, oh, people are angry at me. <laughs> they are not here for one ounce of wine. That is not what is happening. These people aren't swishing it around in their mouth and spitting it into a spittoon. They're they're full gulping yeah. it. Even the people who are doing that are like, you, you you finished? It is it is hard to be in Utah and go to a bar, especially after Oregon. They Oregon has the rule, and I don't know if this is a official rule or not, but they have the okay, tell me when. Like the the cheese grater at an Italian restaurant, like they just pour and pour and pour, and you're like oh, I'm good, it's overflowing, like we're good. Yeah, yeah that's that's two glasses, uh, ma'am. You've wasted half of it on the counter. Oh, just snort it up or something. Just I don't know. suck it up. <laughs> and then you go to Utah, and they're like, blip blip. There you go, sir. And you're like, what is going on? You pay your seven dollars yeah. for that half-ass drink, and yeah. So at least that's true in both states. Yeah, it is it is expensive across the board to drink alcohol for sure. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you go to a liquor store now, although that's one thing Utah has a leg up on, I guess, we cap our liquor prices. So you can't make any money on liquor. That's why a lot of people put in for the the lotteries for when Pappy Van Winkle gets released. 
Because it's actually at cost. Because it'll be not at cost, but it's at market value. Like wild. Yeah. So it won't be marked up, you know, to seven hundred dollars a bottle. It'll be exactly what it should be sold at. Wild. So like yeah. MSRP or whatever that would be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, MSRP. I was gonna say MSRP, but I was like, I don't know if that's we're not an industry pod. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Drew's Car Talk, where today we're going to talk about ADMs and MSRP. <laughs> hey, Drew, have you considered showing me the invoice? <laughs> I'll give you 200 over, and that's my final offer. I see that green Fiesta everywhere. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. In case anyone in Ashland ever sees a green Fiesta, I sold that person that car, and I won a TV off of it. It's, no, is it that? It's not the TV that's in the studio right now oh. flashing our... If you were live casting with us right now, you could see the TV that is uh, live casting. You know, I'll just say it is the TV. Why not? Hey, Makes for a good story. It's right, right here, guys. <laughs> Here's the TV. It's right there. I'm looking at it. Uh, you're on it. <laughs> ah. And I'm seeing someone watching me on it. <laughs> what? Stop touching your nipples. It's all right. I can't. I can't. <laughs> anyway. It's a medical condition. <laughs> it's a hobbyist condition. That's right. <laughs> Passed on from your mother. I learned it from my grandpa. <laughs> no. Absolutely. What new hobby have you gotten into recently that you're like, oh, I got to share this with the world? Drew, I'm not sure there is one. God damn it. You should have said creating a comic book. We got to start plugging this right now. Yeah, my one concern about, don't think I didn't think about talking about this on your podcast. My one concern about We're it, not going to plug this right now. I, well, and I can't have anyone knowing too much. Good. Because. Good. They'll steal it. This is, this is so going to take Jeff, this is going to take Jeffrey Bezos' money. <laughs> I was thinking about this. If the Lord of the Rings show is worth a billion dollars. Dude, it's, it's so good. In it's every, incredible. Here's the thing though, is. Like, they announced the budget for this show, like, two years ago. So we're all expecting greatness. Yes. The show comes out. It's fucking phenomenal. And it gets bombed on Reddit. And I start reading the comments because I I texted you, like, why is this getting bombed? Because there are people of color and women. Yes. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Nobody's talking about the dwarves not having beards. That's the one. It's the the only criticism you and I have for this show. Is that... The I dwarven women hot, don't I have beards. Hot bearded women, and there's yeah, none. none. Not a but single hot bearded woman. Past that, it's incredible. Yes. So about so I, I had that billion dollar price tag in my head, and yes. I want to say sixty seconds into this show, I was like, yeah, it's a billion dollars. I see Easy. it. Easy. Yeah, I get that. All right, <laughs> listen, I'm gonna be the hype man. In case our listeners don't know, Katie Arango is writing a comic book, and it's amazing. And so here's Bailey here's and I happen I going- to be somewhere near. Or that. some people with similarly spelled names to ours, but maybe not ours. Here's where I was going with the Lord of the Rings comparison. If that's worth a billion dollars, our story is worth at least like 40K. Yeah. And then, you know, another hobby, another hobby I forgot to share that I witnessed somebody else writing this comic book, a female with my same last name writing this comic book with Katie. It was, it's yeah. an amazing hobby to have, writing. You yeah. guys should get into writing. Com books, scenes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, buying ours. Or <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. Invest now. It's not too late. <laughs> it's not too late. We could go to Netflix. You never know. They're looking for the next <laughs> The Boys. <laughs> and it is assuredly this. Oh, it is way past that. But um, yeah. So anyway, before I rudely cut you off with my propositions... Any hobbies that you've been really kind of 
dabbling in that you're like, man, I, I think this is going to become my next paid profession? No. So the big hobby for me is definitely still D&D uh, as far as things that are lar- almost exclusively unpaid and things that occupy my free time. And I was just worried sort of because you're kind of a professional hobbyist at this point. You're taking your hobbies... You're making them into something that makes you money. I didn't know if you were like flipping hobbies or not. No, like, no, no, no. I'm no, no, into no. guitars. See, I... Now it's making me money. I'm into D and D. Now it's making me money. No. So I don't want to oversell. I, I am not making much money in D and D. I'm just, not making any you, money in this. If no you one's tell subscribing. Me that, <laughs> I, and I think <laughs> I am. <laughs> Woohoo! And, and I think this is a thing that I've I uh, very sincerely did pick up from my parents. We we joke. Is that if someone offers me money to do something I love, I am there instantly. One hundred percent. Yeah. So that's that's all that is. D D is very still very much still a hobby for me. I am I am DMing a campaign that features our dear friends Ryan and Katie and Zana. That was the yes. first one I ever DM'd. I am DMing uh, for a group of friends from college, including Katie. I'm hoping to continue DMing the Ryan uh, extended family campaign. I just want a live cam on that shit. Yeah. He killed a guy (laughs) by twisting his nipples. (laughs) Really early on. Hrothgar would be just 100%. Predator handshake. (laughs) Grab on. Yeah, brother. (laughs) Oh, my God. And in case our listeners don't know, because they don't know. Eventually, and probably within the end of the season, I think we're going to start doing seasons, by the way. Maybe our season... I think think you started doing that when you started calling this season two. I know. I love that nobody's questioned it either. Like, oh, this is season two? It was very sudden, and I I appreciate it. It's season two. (laughs) We're into season two! This is season two episode... Um, But the finale of this season is going to be having Ryan... Katie, Zana, and Bailey on, all talking about D and D. Maybe, and I don't want to steal like somebody else's podcast or something. Doing a podcast on a actual campaign, that would be a joy. I think uh, that would be a joy. I think that we would need to do that podcast on a campaign by, I don't know, also somehow folding in the hobbies of our characters. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how we Pro- get around it. That's Pro- how we Oscar get around. A hobbyist. It. He is. Yeah. He's actually a, a gymnast. In case you didn't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The D the D and D the D and D podcast space is crowded. Ooh, yeah. I actually but, did look that. up. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do it because you love it, what's wrong with that? You know, and here's the thing: is I believe that just tagging useless tags and stuff like D and D gets you a lot of. Uh, listeners because we Certainly. tagged video games on what episode and poof, i thought i was going to become a professional i yeah, some women listen to that one i was going to quit my job <laughs> that was I the thought, one, uh, this that, is my calling now i believe that was also the one where we got uh where we man where you got one listener from singapore i i do like this we though yeah in case our listeners don't know which they don't um we're constantly trying to get bailey to, uh, I don't know, work his magic, make us professionals. So if you want to hear Bailey make us professionals or watch Bailey, I don't know how they do this, but uh, something, something Instagram, 
one ounce one oz poor instagram right podcast i don't know how to answer stop blushing man you know that (laughs) that this is just just hashtag bailey that's how we'll do it that's it right you got it that's all we gotta do (laughs) (laughs) we finally got there the crowd of people will just warm your heart to the point where you're like i gotta do this now gee whiz which is Bailey's catchphrase, in case. Yeah, aw shucks. Yeah, aw shucks, yeah. gee whiz. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Anything else you want to leave our listeners with? Nothing really, Drew. <sighs> you, got any, you got any questions for me, bud? Dude, I have le- I have leaned on you this entire episode. That's the thing, is like, I can't do that, that with you. I'm afraid that the viewers can hear, the listeners can hear the flailing as I try to tread water. Dude, you're doing great. I don't know. I I feel like I don't even have to do anything on this episode. I just sit there and I'm like, oh, hey, Bailey. And you're like, oh, listen to all my stories. And then it's great. So well, I don't know. When has your hobby ever gotten you in trouble, Bailey? Sure. So I'm going to tell you about how my hobby has gotten me into trouble and how it Were you waiting but- for that question? Do I listen to every week of your podcast? Have I listened to two seasons of this? <laughs> two and I'm seasons. I'm not getting anything. Seasons I'm not two. Getting anything. I'm not getting Tom asking me questions that I don't know how to. That's exactly what I meant. I'm not getting that. How has your hobby gotten you into trouble? Okay, here we go. You've just been such a spectacular guest that I haven't needed to even explore anything. You've left everything unexplored. We'll see how the uh, the edit sounds there. Oh, yeah. I'm going to cut all of you out. It's just going to be me. (laughs) I'm here for it. So my hobby's gotten me into trouble. I became dedicated to the idea that i love dming it really brings me joy briefly mm. what dming is dungeons and dragons is a game about collaborative storytelling among friends it's a game where people make up characters and actions and stories together with the help of dice Ooh. and what a dm is is something that to the best of my knowledge, doesn't really exist in any game, at least before D&D. I'm sure it's been incorporated in some ways afterwards, which is a DM is someone who is playing the game, but not as a player would. Something more like a referee would. Someone more like an arbiter of what the dice are saying. What is happening, whether the things the players want to do are successful or not. It's a really unusual role. It's a big piece of what makes D&D so unusual, is that there's someone at the table playing a game who is not on equal footing or doing the same job as everyone else playing the game. So I decided that I love doing this. It's something I really wanted to do. I, Katie, Ryan, Zana, and I took a weekend to the coast, found an Airbnb with a view of the ocean, uh, and my whole thing had been I want to just try DMing. And I had no wow. Conf- I had no confidence that I would actually be good at it, but it was something I, I knew I wanted to do and was really passionate about. And it was wonderful. It was the best time I've had in years. It was, I think, probably the first time it was safe to do that in the pandemic, which was lovely. Oh, man, I forget exactly where I was going with this. Oh, how's it gotten me in trouble? Yes, There we go. We circled right back around. It's gotten me in trouble in that I was just committed. I I got the bug. I was like, this is what I want to be doing for fun. No expectation of income, no expectation of anything, because the people who do this professionally, I cannot even describe you, Drew. Never, never listen to the most popular D&D podcast because the, (laughs) the illusion around me will fade so quickly but i was like i want to this is something i love this is something i want to get better at so i'm going to do this every chance i get and the amount of time 
that you have to dedicate to DM and the amount that I overcommitted to doing that, especially initially, was sort of remarkable. Just like, sure, yeah, I'll DM for everyone all the time. Great, this would be good. Uh, and so that was that was the extent to which my hobby has gotten me in trouble is just this being like, oh, I can't really do anything else this week because I have three sessions I'm responsible for. And if you come to those unprepared, Man, I feel like this is a household, this is an Arango household issue. Oh, yes. Just overexerting yourself in the name of friendship to be (laughs) right there, front and center. If I had known that I was an introvert for more of my life, my life would have gone a lot more smoothly. Man, if I would have known I was an extrovert for most of my life, my life would have gone a lot differently. (laughs) True, Drew, Drew. I, I want to push pause here for a second. What indications did you not have that you were an extrovert? It is true, but I was also a shy boy. So, okay. you know, it's hashtag like shy boy. hashtag shy boy. I had to kind of explore what it meant to be an extrovert because it, it got me in trouble. Like all extroverts are probably like, oh, I had that moment. I had lots of those moments. Yeah, you're banned from establishments. Yeah. Whereas you are like, Oh, you know, I I just had to like stay in my shell and then I had to like poke my head out and be like, hello. And then people were like, hey, you're cool. And then it worked. <laughs> I, I picture that's what all introverts <laughs> do is they're just like, I don't think go through their whole life being a turtle. And then they're just like, hello. And people are like, you're cool. That's how extroverts view introverts, by the way. So it's you're welcome. Like, it's more like that same turtle being like having their head out of their shell and being like, hello, my cool friends. I like having my head out of my shell. This is natural, isn't it? And then being like, oh, actually, it's not. <laughs> I was, I was I making a fool never of my turtle self. My turtle I should have been through. way more selective about the turtle head because this was, <laughs> this is mortifying. God, that sounds like a horrible life. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just wandering around poking turtles like, you going to come out? Oh, hey, hey, I'm a hey, friend. I'm hey. a friend. You alive in there? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Hobby got me. Hobby got me in trouble. Hobby got me in trouble by just overcommitting as far as time goes. Mm. Hobby didn't and hasn't gotten me in trouble, but a way that it can get people who are into D and D in trouble is it's really easy to spend too much money on this. How though? I know. I thought you might ask that. It gets into it gets. <laughs> it gets into, Who's running this show? Oh, <laughs> turtles' heads all the way out now. Uh, turtles all the way down, Drew. Um, <laughs> stuff like dice. Okay. M- miniatures. Miniatures. Maps. Oh yeah, have you seen this? miniatures? Miniatures. I can get in a Hrothgar miniature. So the question that you just asked me is a perfect distillation of how people get in trouble oh, with no. D&D. Okay, I'm yes, out. Because yes, you can. I'm out. Yeah, because yes, no. you can. Yeah. I'm already... You can get a... The thing is, is like... Oh, another hobby, Legos. Like, I just yes. built a uh, Baby Groot. Sure. Awesome. I feel like that's the same as Legos. Like, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm just going to relive a childhood. That's a pandemic hobby, by the way, for me. And it's... And it's very oh I love that and it and I was also we've talked about this I was also into very very into Legos and our our moms were both very impressed with our ability to put things mm, together absolutely might exceed expectations there look <laughs> at the way he's putting that spaceship together should we <laughs> should we get him tested <laughs> nah look at that spaceship <laughs> oh my god 
<laughs> Can we make this uh, uh, episode about something? Yeah. <laughs> Help. I thought, well, I mean, here's the thing is you're such an alpha that it's hard to compete with you. Am I accidentally asserting myself? You're, you're, you're so alpha right now. I was like, damn, I have, who is this guy? I, so for the podcast listeners at home, I hope, first of all, I hope you exist. Second of all, <laughs> second of all, you can probably tell this from the timbre of my voice. Third of all, I am five six. If I have been stretched out and kept in the sun, and I've recently found out that people are intimidated by me, what? I had no idea. Who? Wait, what? Who? No, it's exactly what you're. Ta- it's exactly what you're talking about, Dol Drew. They're the like, oh, thing? he's so alpha. I was sorry. I'm, I don't mean to like burst this bubble. No, um, but you're being sarcastic. Uh, uh, a little bit. Yeah, mainly because no, I'm not good. doing my job and you're, no, you're, you're doing no, all you're of it. It's so good. You're literally, you're sitting back and drinking and wondering why I'm not more on point. <laughs> I, but, I keep pointing at you like, and? <laughs> I and, and this say is, and. And I don't mean to be, um, <laughs> I don't mean to be hubristic, but, uh, but this is something I've sincerely just found out that I was not aware of, which is in the context of music, oh. people actually, people actually are intimidated. I could see and it's that. something I, it's all but that it's emotion. I am, but it's something. It's the face. <laughs> it's the face. The face, like he's just trying to scream silently. <laughs> and the back but it's sweat. I would, ne- yeah. Just how could he not be in charge if he's sweating like that? He's not even moving. But but I've never in my life considered myself to be intimidating or alpha because <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty much not. So that was a weird awakening to me. It's like, oh, people are pulling punches in, in some settings. You know, Bailey, I I foresee this being your new awakening as an alpha. I sent you the link. I don't know why you didn't go, but Salt Lake City had an alpha con. Oh, no, we surely talked about alpha con, <laughs> didn't we? Uh, you, you didn't show up. I was at the doors waiting, and you yeah, weren't there. They weren't willing to comp my to come first class uh, and i i don't fly a con. fair enough I just fair don't. enough that's an don't. alpha move alpha move it's an alpha move i'm gonna hashtag, i thought they would respect that as a conference i'm gonna hashtag this episode alpha hashtag alpha bailey i i did i played in a musical group with uh <laughs> folks who were of the more crystal tarot persuasion okay all right and at one point the leader of this group said to me after I think pulling cards for me, I don't think you understand the opportunities for alpha leadership Ooh. that are that are there for you in your chart. In All your, right, uh, I think it's it's that it's that like big dog energy you bring that's out. It. Yeah. <laughs> Famously, I used to wear big dog shirts. It was all building to this. You just oh big dog, and you just it. show yeah. up and start just humping away like I am alpha. I do a lot of barking in that's my good. life. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So now that we've covered that, uh, his hobbies got him in trouble. He's alpha as fuck. We all know this. Yeah. We can all see this. Not, de- not up for debate. Visible. Yeah. If you paid me for a spot to watch this, you'd see how much he's been flexing this entire show. I and am in pain, physical <laughs> agony, from how the extent much- which I've kept myself activated for an hour now. Honestly, I'm I'm in pain. I- I've been cowering for an hour. It's, it hurts. Your sh- your shoulders must be in agony. It's, it's just, just like oh. it's uncomfortable watching. Whew, all right, Drew. <laughs> Drew, what are the what are the other questions you always ask everyone you actually respect? 
I I don't even know how to ask him at this point. Like, it's just gonna come out as as pukey gurbly gook. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I, I'm so in shadow of this alpha that I can't even spit out my my questions. I just keep drinking. And how would somebody get into D and D? I'm so glad you asked, Drew. Oh, good, good. There are a bunch of ways in. Yeah. My way in involved just jumping in and playing. I would say okay. as a player. Well, Drew, I, I actually did want to ask you questions during this D&D talk. I thought we would get to do a D&D place. How did it feel for you just jumping in playing D&D with, with no experience that did not involve being, and I cannot overstate this, <laughs> murdered by dicks? Hazed. Hazed. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely bullied. Oh, man. It does not matter. Let me, that let, me, the... let me grab my clicker. Sure. You can still say that word. It spills all over me every time it does it. That's a, that's a good purchase. Um, yeah. It was it was honestly amazing. As somebody that was hazed by flying dicks and then gave up on that hobby for so long to then be welcomed into the hobby by such a, a caring group, even led by an alpha and all, it was yeah. amazing. Thank like God. I would I I went out and I bought dice. <laughs> That's how ready I was for Hrothgar to live again. Hrothgar can never die. He can't. But, but so as someone who did not really understand the rules of this weird, kind of crunchy, potentially unapproachable or game, you felt pretty comfortable just jumping in, right? Well, and I think that has a lot to do with, obviously, your skill set. And I think oh, that well, if you. somebody wanted to jump into it, as I did, just blindly and after all those years, even if nothing in the past happened and I just had no inkering whatsoever to go and do D and D and somebody was like, Hey, just join us real quick for a campaign. And I joined in on that campaign with all the same people. Everybody's going to fall in love with it. I think it's a, yeah. it's a situational happenstance, you know, I do too. everybody in that campaign was welcoming and loving and played off each other so well but we're also all friends do you see that in campaigns where maybe strangers are all gathering up yeah one thing i will say and i i'm not gonna go too far into the specifics on this i think that session squashed a beat i think that the magic of that group and what you guys all brought to it actually brought people closer together <gasps> and sort of made some people understand each other who had not really understood each other. That's, Ooh. I don't mean, I don't mean to tell too many tales, but no, I think you know what I'm I talking think... about. It was beautiful. I loved it. It made me very happy. It, it def, I, I think I know what you're talking about now. I, it definitely pulled people that maybe didn't have an understanding of the other person. Yes. Into a like shared group of people trying to accomplish something. You know, I would say, and this is just spitballing here, if we could figure out how to make this a corporate <laughs> thing, <laughs> I, my brain is like, how do we make money on this? I, like, if we could make large corporations have their employees that hate each other do D and D together yes. and accomplish a campaign, I, yes. I'm saying this so, could make us money. So one of my one of my closest friends uh, who introduced me to D and D is a therapist. Oh, okay. And and he completed 
a training to use D&D as a therapy oh, tool. No. And the things he's been telling me without violating anything, right. the things he's been telling me about the results he's been getting are incredible. Dude. Just incredible. Really moving, really special. It's a, it's a, it's a neat game. I always say it's the best game. Well, you know when who something... feels the most left out right now, right? My wife. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, I don't know why I had to say it like that, but Ellie is like she's so excited to do D and D. Can we? Oh my god, yes! She took my character sheet to school with her to like show all her friends. Yeah, you got to understand that I will facilitate her screwing you over in any way she uh, wants. I I feel this weird like ominous cloud of dicks building. <laughs> okay, so let me let me let me. Uh, let me kind of draw, let me trace the outline around the dick cloud. <laughs> In this hypothetical campaign, will you be once again... I have to be her, Edgar. ...courting a same-sex relationship with my wife? Was that with your wife? Certainly. No, Hrothgar was... Hrothgar and Clive... both people. Hrothgar and Clive were the, the dragon most beautiful... Lady, but the dragon lady existed too. Certainly. Hrothgar and Clive was oh, the most beautiful relationship... Right that I've, I've ever had in a campaign. That. Oh my god, yeah, because Clive saved Hrothgar multiple times. I had to explain consent to the table based on that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ellie will have to accept that Hrothgar and Clive exist. I think so too, and yeah. I just, I'm just prepping the pump for that. I think that maybe Hrothgar and Clive don't allow that out of the closet yet until yeah. a pivotal moment. I get that. Okay. I forgot yeah. about Clive. How did I forget about Clive? Uh, I know. I know. Uh, yes. Yeah, it, it was okay. it was a, it was a real joy. <laughs> so somebody wants to get into somebody wants to get into D D. How do they find Just, how do they find our group? I mean like how do they find their version of our group? Oh you know, like not like how do they find Bailey? Yeah. What's your okay, address? I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah, um it's uh uh I'm not giving that out. I was going to make up a funny fake one, and then I realized that it would just be inappropriate, and I've already been inappropriate enough today. I'm going to give you two different avenues to find that group for there you. There you go. The, the first is that even in the 21st century, even with Jeffrey Bezos, future <laughs> investor in Owlman, just <laughs> oh, you said the name. You can't I say did. the name. You got to prime the pump a little, buddy. All right, Jeffrey. Because before you know it, Jeffrey, Balls you in want your Owlman. Who is going to make this decision, Jeffrey? You are. <laughs> Okay. Even with Jeffrey Bezos choking the life out of every meaningful business in this country, a place in which a local business really differentiates itself and is still thriving is your local game shop's ability to put together a community like this. So I've been to a game shop here in Medford. I was recently on vacation visiting my parents. I went to a local game shop in uh, in New Haven, Connecticut. Shout out to, I believe, Pine City Games. It was the coolest business I've ever just stumbled upon in New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, my goodness. If you're in Salt Lake, Game Haven off of uh, hey. 90th and 7th. So these are places where friendships are being forged around a shared hobby and where newcomers are being welcomed. That's one avenue. Another avenue that I would highly recommend because the way in that I found is if you want there to be a and d game, the limiting factor is never, ever players. It's always DMs. Mm. Players get to, and I want you to know that I am saying this with true love and friendship and appreciation and enjoyment. Players 
get to just sit down at a table and like <laughs> lick the walls of caves and do arcane drugs and attack things with axes. Players get to be Hrothgar, and it's not I, hard to find somebody who wants to do that. It's not. It, What's hard yeah. to find is someone who wants to herd eight Hrothgars for five hours. <laughs> That's the hard piece to find. So if you want to get into D&D, what you should really do is figure out how to be a DM. And here's what you need to do to do that. Uh, the easiest entry to that is get the player's handbook. There are three books. There are three main core source books for D&D 5th edition. Dungeons & Dragons still has a bit of a reputation as a game that's really difficult to get into, and that comes from its origins. It used to be, because I got, as you know, I, I got into it relatively recently, it used to be comically difficult and murky. Okay. Like, the math involved is funny now, in <laughs> retrospect. What what they used to, in what they call first edition, we're now in fifth edition. Fifth edition is friendly. Fifth edition is pretty easy to sink your teeth into. There are three core books. The only one you really need is the Player's Handbook. The Dungeon Master's Guide and Monster's Manual, Monster Manual, excuse me, are gravy. Those are, the Player's Handbook, most of it is readily available for free online. It's available at a lot of libraries, and not that you're hearing me say this, but Wizards of the Coast, who creates Dungeons & Dragons, or owns it at least, is a huge multinational corporation, and there are a few books in the world that are easier to pirate online if one was doing such a thing. And another really easy way to really get your feet under you is to get into a D&D podcast or a D&D live stream or some sort of D&D franchise that you like. Chances are good if you're a nerd, you'll really like Critical Role. You'll re like, if are you're you plugging other podcasts on my podcast? Drew, no, the podcasts I'm plugging Go ahead. are... No, you're so good. No, no, the, <laughs> the podcasts I'm plugging are selling out, like, arenas. What? So they don't, they, don't, they don't need my help. What I'm trying to plug is people getting into the hobby, because if you're into the Fair Lord enough. of the Rings, there are people who are doing this at such an absurd level that you can just get into this as if it were your new favorite TV show. And unlike a TV show, what's wild is you come away understanding how to run a game. Ooh. And that's pretty cool. If if you listen to 100 hours, and it sounds like a lot, but if you get into it, you will do this more quickly than you want to admit you did. If you listen to 100 hours of someone running D&D, you can get your friends together and run D&D. Hmm. Period. You can just do it. You you know how it works. You have heard the rules enough. It's like listening to 100 hours of football. You could ref. You know, Could you wouldn't. You? You, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be great at it, but you you'd know what a first down is. You know what okay, catch fair is. enough. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean in the NFL. <laughs> That's you, my you, brain you, immediately. Went. No, you could you could run a flag football game. Okay, for okay. your friends because you understand how the game works. It's similar with D and D. So I would say if you want to get into D and D, just jump in. It's one of the coolest, friendliest hobbies. It's something that a lot of folks are into now, but it's still something that people were bullied for so recently and that was sort of counterculture and nerd culture so recently that there still is this really actually uh, kind of pigeon tailing into what we talked about very er uh, a long a long ways earlier very much like metal and metal fest yeah it's something where the people who are into it and are passionate about it it's important to them and to their sense of community and to their sense of self that they let you be part of it and that they welcome you in so i would say if you want to get into dnd get into dnd man it's it's time and isn't it weird though? I mean, I think that like Stranger Things is gonna make D and D a little bit more mainstream, yes. a little bit cooler and stuff. But I think about this all the time of like what takes something that's nerd and morphs it into like a more mainstream, well, more acceptable. Because 
we I think you and I both were on the cusp of this where I remember the way that I felt about X Men oh, not being not being not being cool. I Dude, remember that not being cool. I remember getting not bullied, but just kind of made fun of for yes. comic books. And I was like, yes. do you guys not like this stuff? This is cool stuff. This is just like a TV show, but in written form with pictures. And then spoilers for a movie that came out in 2001. I remember seeing X2 in theaters <laughs> and going, I know what they're doing with this story because I read the comic. Uh-huh. And this is for me. Yeah. It was and everyone cool. In this, and everyone in this theater is into it. Yep. It's like Dark Phoenix is coming and is this main, is this culture now? It's, it's weird to see that because, I mean, you use Pokemon as an example, right? Oh, yeah. Pokemon was really cool when I was a kid. And then yes. I hit middle school and high school and it was the nerdiest shit. If you had Pokemon cards or Pokemon binder... You yes. were a piece of shit. You might as well as like <laughs> ate at a different table, like just gone off into a dark room. In in fact, you had to. You had to. And then it's like all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but like Pokemon Go definitely upped all of that. But recently, especially pandemic era, Pokemon's hot as shit. I sold a Pokemon card on eBay for a lot of money that I was like, <laughs> I can't believe people actually you know, are back into this and people are yeah. into it very hard. And yes. there's, there's still a piece of it where I'm like, are people you... still making fun of this shit? Yeah. And just yeah. using it as like a, Oh, look, I spent $15 million on a Charizard. Like what up nerds? <laughs> really? Or, or are you into Pokemon? Like you got to tell you me. have enough. Do you have enough money to dunk on me that hard? Right. Like, <laughs> is, is that, are you that rich? Oh, do you want this nerd? Like, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> he just keeps sending me pictures of him laughing at it. My graded Venusaur. Um, <laughs> just him like spilling drinks on it and stuff. It's not a nine point five anymore, nerd. <laughs> so Stranger Things came out almost at exactly at the time that a couple things happened. One of those was Wizards of the Coast introducing 5th edition, which was far and away the least crunchy version of D&D to date. The easiest and, one to get into. And just like Rings of Power, you better believe that a, what, six, seven years later, there are still people like, I can't believe you play 5th edition. Really? Do you not like, th oh yeah. Okay. It's the, same, it's the same people. That's the same in every genre. I mean, it's like everything. Everything is, oh, I can't believe that you yeah. use an Arbor snowboard or a specialized bike or you're not using Fox shocks or whatever. It I've, was so, this game was so difficult. <laughs> so, okay. Are you familiar with, I don't know how much you've just got, tried to get friends or like a dinner party into a game you own, like a card game or something. And you're explaining the rules. Yep. And you know how quickly you can lose someone. Absolutely. So a couple things happened around the same time. One of them is that D&D, &D, Wizards of the Coast, released D&D &D 5th Edition, which is the version of this game that you can actually sit down with your friends and just play. Another thing that happened is at the exact same time, D&D &D started getting a real foothold in pop culture again. Stranger Things came out, and with it, this kind of wave of 80s nostalgia that I think was really good for the game. And at the same time, you started getting these first really successful D&D &D podcasts that were sort of blowing up. 
And so I think that was sort of the moment when D&D started being mainstream in the same way that comic book movies were right around season one of Stranger Things. Do you see that same trajectory where it's like, this is going to be something I'm okay with talking about in public? Oh, 100 (laughs) percent. It's I mean, it's it's everywhere right now. It feels like everyone's playing in a campaign and it's a joy. Well, good. It's a little. Yeah. So you'd say that a person that's trying to get into D&D, find somebody on the fifth edition, get into their campaign, and what what makes somebody stick to D&D the hardest, would you say? Like what level of think... involvement, so on? Yeah, the big, the big hurdle in the way of any D&D campaign is scheduling. We're all really busy, even yeah. those of us without kids, the idea of, we are going to spend four to six hours a week hunting orcs. It's sort of a tough commitment to get on the books for most adults. So I think that's how D&D campaigns live and die is the buy-in of just regular scheduling. But that's really what it is because the moment you start playing with any kind of regularity – because I know you you fell in love with Hrothgar, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, the moment that you start – you know, how did Hrothgar end up this way? What's Hrothgar's relationship with his dad like? Oh, so we got to get into the deep, dark, nitty-gritty of the story. Once you start living in Hrothgar's head like that, you're into D&D. Oh, for sure. The second second I got... I think he's he's human, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So the second I got human, I'm not going to lie. I was like, fuck. Like, damn it. All right. And then I was like, but how do we make this human cool? Well, what if we just make him bite everything to test it out? You essentially made him a slightly head-traumaed version of Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. I believe he was wearing all leather, mostly codpiece. <laughs> it, it was very uh, uh, hobbyist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hrothgar is a hobbyist. He's <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but so that's that's the one of the the joys of D and D is that I think uh, I think it it really does suck you in and it really is something that becomes a part of your life that is almost by necessity an escape and I think that's a big part of what hobbies aspire to be and what we look for in a hobby is something that takes us out of our day to day life and takes us out of whatever it is that we spend most of our living days doing. And so, you know, none of us are going to be elves in real life, and none of us are likely to ever hunt down a pack of gnolls who killed our father in real life, I hope. <laughs> and so I think I think that mix of escapism and community is pretty rare and special. Yeah, because no matter how hard video games wants to promote a sense of community, you're still playing with somebody over headphones. You're still yes. doing a quest, but you're yes. doing... In video games, honestly has they've done one thing wrong for me and that's they've taken away a lot of the long quests yeah i feel like even the video games that come out with long quests are still like you can sit down and usually knock that quest out you know press and garvey will give you a hundred quests but i don't feel like there's a lot of video games out there that do the long quest anymore where it's so ryan and ryan and xana have been waiting for two years to find out what the hell is happening you know they are just day, week, week to week month to month like okay so hang on what who's behind this it's a joy the big thing the big video game corollary that blew my mind about D and i think is what hooked me just forever was 
video games, the best video games, the video games that I know you and I like the most are the video games that typically give you some choice or ability to kind of role play and do what your character would do and make choices. Right. And the decisions that have tickled me the most are there have been moments in like Fallout where I get to do something ridiculous and just it, it's there's a joy to it. Like nuke the entire D- town. Sure. <laughs> or or that 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 Fallout. The, my favorite video game quest I've ever been on is the one where you're on a mission for the robots and you increasingly realize that the robots are completely insane. <laughs> and so it's up to you to decide if you're going to keep doing what they want you to do. And be this agent of chaos working for obviously delusional, yeah. That sort of freedom is a joy, but it's limited because it's programmed. Right. And what blew my mind about D&D that I didn't understand until I did it is you're in a situation like you would find yourself in a video game. There's a decision to be made. And the DM says, what do you want to do? And you can do anything. <laughs> you can say, well, I, I run away and I steal the boat. And there's a role for that. It is is actually the goal of what I think these role-playing games and video games is, which is actual choice and actual opportunity to to tell a story and to embody a character. That open-world aspect, but to the The, nth degree of just actually an open world. Yeah, yeah. What do you want to do? There's there's a role for it. Yeah, and there's consequences for it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> one of the and, and you'll hear this said a lot, one of the most meaningful and exciting things in D D is failure. And I think it's a sign of how good it is as a game. But when you well, when Frothgar tries to lick a cave wall and finally gets infected <laughs> after having taken drugs and and eaten from the necks of enemies, and finally he here he is in the heat of battle and experiencing flu like symptoms from having licked moth that he found. <laughs> That's more memorable than just winning. Right. No, absolutely. And I think that going down that path and having somebody like yourself who's DMing the whole thing and allowing the Hrothgars to do their stupid bullshit, like, it, you have to take something like that and blend it into a story. And that's amazing. <laughs> that is... When, when I... When a DM is doing their job well, I think the dice are telling most of the story, right? It's, okay, Hrothgar is visibly sick. What's the next thing that would happen? Clive saves him. That's the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's got to do something. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. Anything you want to leave our listeners with on D&D, being a rock star, being built like Spider-Man, anything? You know, life is short. Start a band. Learn how to DM, have fun with your friends. Don't wait for another pandemic to start doing stuff that gives you real happiness. And Oh, absolutely. Don't, yeah. <laughs> Be a hobbyist, in Be other words. Be a hobbyist, everybody. I'm eventually going to get these t-shirts made, and uh, we're all going to be wearing them to our local grocer as hobbyists so <laughs> does tom does tom listen to these i don't think so but if he does okay he's gonna know that all of our listeners know he has explosive diarrhea and is also probably a hobbyist deep down like always uh don't forget to drink it one ounce at a time